The Motivational Moments podcast is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Prime Information Security, online at www.primeinfosec.com, and with the support of our many subscribers. Thank you. Hello again, it's Linda Ocorjella here with another Motivational Moments podcast. And for those of you who've been listening to my podcast for the last few weeks, you will uh, remember that I've been reading um, chapters from my very first book, A Life Like Mine, uh, Everyday Strategies for Living with Life's Challenges. It's now into its second edition, and I wrote that book uh, just after I started my first business, Motivational Steps, and it was a way to reach a wider audience and help even more people. Today I'm going to uh, actually read chapter two, which is called Bittersweet Reunion. I did not see my family for about 18 months. During that time I gave birth to another son, making me the proud mother of three beautiful boys. One day, out of the blue, my front doorbell rang and standing there was my brother and my mum. At first I hesitated before asking them into my home, but my resistance soon melted when I saw how old and sad my mum looked. I also noticed that she seemed unsteady on her feet and not as stable as I remembered her. Mum made a big fuss of her grandchildren and nearly cried when she met the three-month-old baby she never knew I had. Finally, for the first time I could remember, Mum said the word sorry. She told me she was very proud of me, that it was obvious I was a good mother and that her three grandchildren were lovely, polite and nicely dressed. I'd been waiting for many years for my mum to acknowledge that I could do something right and that I was not as useless as she had made me feel. Mum handed me an envelope with my address on the front and the words please phone me on the back. Inside there was money for her grandchildren. This letter had never been mailed, so I am guessing she carried it around for a long time, debating whether or not to send it. I have no idea what prompted her to visit me that day, but I am glad she did. I hope that we could now become friends and a proper family and get on with our lives. After my mum and brother left, I talked to my husband about how happy I felt that the long separation from my family was over and we could now all be friends and move on. As normal, he was very supportive and agreed with me. Early next morning, I received a phone call from my sister to say that mum had been taken to hospital with a suspected stroke. Having three young children with no one to look after them meant I had to wait for my husband to come home from work before I could visit her in hospital. I was so scared. When I actually saw my mum in hospital, she looked so frail and old I wanted to cry, but somehow managed to hold back my tears. My dad admitted to me that for the past year he'd been living with the knowledge that mum had cancer. To this day, I still do not know if she knew. We never told her and she never asked. I felt very angry with my dad and bitter that if I had known a year ago that my mum was sick, I could have healed the rift between us. Dad was a very quiet man who did most things to please my mum or other people and he just wanted a quiet life. He understood my feelings but at the same time he felt he was doing the right thing by not worrying anyone. 
After talking to my mum's doctors, we discovered she had terminal cancer, which had reached her brain. She probably only had three months to live. The doctors wanted to keep her in hospital for more tests, but nothing could help her live longer or cure her cancer. She hated being in the hospital and kept asking us to take her home. We decided that was the best place for her, so we took her home the next day. At this stage of her, her illness, she didn't seem ill, and we all wanted to carry on as normal, so as not to upset her. We felt if Mum brought up the subject of her illness, we would work with her, but if she didn't, we wouldn't. I got the impression that she believed she'd only suffered a minor stroke, which she had, and that she would gradually improve and be back to normal one day. I felt so sad when Mum talked to me about how proud she was of me and what a lovely family I had and that she was sorry for things that had happened in the past and that she would change so our future would be much happier. I truly believe she really would have changed and made the most of her life, something she could never do before. Unfortunately, she was not to have the chance. She died exactly three months later, just as the doctors said she would. In the time leading up to my mum's death, we were much closer than ever before and we all tried to act as normal as possible around her. We spoiled her in many little ways and made the most of the short time she had left. Once again, my dad made a decision for me. He decided I could not cope with watching my mum slowly die and didn't phone me until after she'd passed away. He was right, to be honest, but I once again felt I should have been given the choice. I'd visited her a couple of days before she died and she was in and out of consciousness because of the drugs she was on. I sat by her bed feeling very scared and sad, trying not to cry. She woke up at one point and asked me if I'd bought my birthday present with the money she'd given me and I showed her the sweater I'd purchased. It was a soft cream wool sweater and she said it was very nice. That was the last real conversation we ever had. She died two days later on October the 3rd, three days before my birthday. When my dad phoned me to tell me mum had died, we dropped the children off at a friend's house and arrived at my parents' house to find my sister and her husband already there. Evidently, my brother and sister had been present when mum had died, along with my dad. He knew I was scared of death and scared of dying, so he acted in my best interest. My favourite auntie and mum's closest sister had prepared my mum in her bed for us to view her. This was the first time I'd ever seen someone who had died. I prayed I would never have to see anyone else. Mum had a scarf tied around her head and under her chin to keep her mouth shut. I had no idea at the time why. She looked like a white ghost lying there, as if in a peaceful sleep, and was very old and thin. The family sat downstairs waiting for the undertakers to come and take her away. They carried her downstairs in a black body bag. All I could think about was that my mum was dead and it would be my birthday in three days. My dad said that at least my mum was not in pain anymore and would be in a better place now. The whole family was devastated by her death as she had been the person who kept everything together, the strong person who was always there. We may not have always liked her, but we all loved her and could not imagine life without her. At one of my sessions with the hypnotherapist, I discovered that I would not really accepted my mum's death and I had a huge guilt feeling because of the separation we had before she died. 
It was also suggested that I was scared of dying, so I had a fear of death. Mum died three years prior to my panic attacks and I was quite shocked to discover these feelings had been lying dormant in my subconscious and were now trying to get out into the open. Maybe it was time for me to deal with my past, to get on with the present and my future. When my hypnotherapist counted down the years to my age when Mum died, I became extremely agitated and started crying. I was still in a deeply relaxed state. I was aware of what was going on and it was as if all my pent-up guilt and anxiety were trying to get out. After this particular session, my hypnotherapist talked to me about what we discovered, and looking back, I think I must always have known I had this guilty feeling connected to my mum. I already knew that I was scared of dying, as I'll actually talk about this to various people. My dad had told me there was nothing to be scared of, as it was just like going to sleep and not waking up. Unfortunately, that didn't help me much. I didn't want to go to sleep in case I didn't wake up. After 12 sessions with the hypnotherapist, she suggested it was time for me to have a break from seeing her. She taught me how to deeply relax myself by listening to a tape she gave me. I'd learned how to breathe from my diaphragm to acknowledge when my feelings of panic were starting and to practice what she taught me in the privacy of my own home. She explained that this would be an ongoing exercise. In order for me to eliminate panic attacks and become a more relaxed person, I had to identify problems I may have in my life and not push them back into my subconscious. It was then that I realised I'd always felt guilty about something. It might be saying no to a friend who wanted a favour, or saying no to my children, or even taking time for me. I think because I wanted to be loved and accepted, I believe that if I did what others asked of me, they would like me. A quote that I often share with people is, be authentic, be yourself, believe in yourself and others will believe in you. So that's uh, chapter two of my first book, A Life Like Mine. Um, I hope you enjoyed it and as you can probably tell, I discovered that feeling guilty and shoving it into our subconscious means um, the guilt doesn't get dealt with. Uh, we're not able to actually move on with our lives and uh, not recognizing that we were, at, you know, we actually push our our feelings into our subconscious, which means we're not dealing with them, can actually lead to many health issues. And in my case, it was anxiety and panic attacks. And I will be back uh, with another chapter from a life like mine.